Welcome to Money Matters Podcast, where we strive to educate and empower you to make smart choices with your money. We believe people don't typically plan to fail, they simply fail to plan. Here are your hosts, Mike and Matt. Welcome to Money Matters. My name is Mike Herman. I'm one of your hosts today, as Taylor said. I'm here with Matt Cloutier, my business partner. How are you doing, Matt? Doing well, Mike. Yeah, good to be here. How are you? I'm doing good. Good, good. Very cold, but doing good. It is. And we've got a guest in studio today. We do. We have Hunter Wyckoff here, who's a representative with Mutual of Omaha, who is working in the risk management insurance protection side. So welcome, Hunter. Wonderful. Well, we're going to get started with today's topic as... uh, if any of you have listened before, the last episode we did was on risk management overall, and now we're kind of breaking down the risk management piece into the different segments of life insurance, disability insurance, critical illness, and long-term care insurance. So today, we're going to talk about long-term care coverage, and yeah. I think that's a, a pretty viable topic for everybody. Wouldn't you agree, Matt? I agree. Yeah, more of a deep dive. It's uh, Yeah, that, that one product I think causes more confusion on the marketplace today and is relevant too with uh, with baby boom generation. I think right. about 10,000 people turn 65. Something like that. The numbers are pretty pretty extraordinary for the yeah. baby boom generation. You know, I'm on the back end at 60, or at, sorry, 60, 50, <laughs> put myself older than I am, at 56. <laughs> I'm in the back end of the baby boom generation. So it's still going to take a while for us to go away. <laughs> so there's still going to be a lot of care that's going to be needed for these people. But, you know, as far as ex- I don't like the word long-term care, I think I've always said that, you know, working with me, I've always looked at it as a, a extension extended or extended care. long-term care. It's an extension of your health insurance. Yes. To, for those people that are 65 and older, it's an extension of Medicare uh, that really provides them coverage if something happens to them that's going to last for some long period of time, typically beyond 90 days, right? Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, something that's not as much acute, but more of chronic care, right? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, the younger people here today, you and Hunter, and Hunter especially, the youngest at 24, right? Yes, yep. You don't really, I'm assuming, and, and probably many people your age don't think of extended long-term care. They think they got health insurance, they think they got full coverage, and then they probably never think anything's going to happen, right? You guys are invincible, right? Oh yeah, twenty-four-year-olds. I mean, nothing's ever going to happen to you. Guys. <laughs> we, we all think that it's it's right. We are invincible, and and you know it's it's interesting because actually for myself at eleven years old, I had viral meningitis. I was oh. in the hospital for oh probably about a month. Yep. Granted, it wasn't more than ninety days, but you never know what's going to happen. Right. It's right. So, true. Yeah. And, just along that lines, before we kind of get into the meat of, uh, of extended care, Hunter, you're here today and you have kind of a story, I think, and we both know this person. We're not going to name any names, of course, right. but uh, uh, growing up playing football, you played football with this uh, family's uh, son. Correct. Yep. And the mother was yep. diagnosed at a young age of 26, I think, I, with I MS, think, right? You want to just tell us um, a little bit about that development and what happened on that story? You don't You don't have to go very long, but just give us an update of why people young and old should be thinking of this yeah i mean like i said you, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring right mike and um like you said age 26 that's a very young age to be diagnosed with a, a serious illness and 25 ish years later um the progress has has declined substantially mm-hmm. in terms of how she is able to function and and move forward with life and i can only imagine going through that type of a situation myself. Um, and then on top of that, the family members 
seeing that and mm-hmm. having to pay for that type of care because it's not right. a, a cheap expense. It's a financial burden. Exactly. Right. And I, I know the family as well because, yeah. of course, my kid played with you guys as well. So, And I've seen the transition, and it's been very difficult. I think, you know, you had a, at the time, I think about a 16-, 17-year-old kid when you guys right. were younger yes. having to become a caregiver for his mother living here before he went to college and eventually moved to Texas, which was another shot, right? Because yes. then the husband's the only caregiver left and they've really struggled with health care and finding health insurance to pay for her care and continuing her ongoing care that she needs because she needs to be lifted out of a bed. She's in a, as you know, she's in a confined chair yes. every day. Um, I don't know how she does it. You know, she's always got a smile on her face and she <laughs> never complains about anything, but life just unfortunately didn't throw her a, a good set of cards. So, yes. Um, and the cost and the burden on the family has been they've had to move in with, you know, his his relatives and not what they planned in their life, I'm sure, right? I, I wouldn't expect it. Right. By any means. So, Matt, as we yeah. as, kind of moving over to you, so we look at long-term care, and you're a younger person as well, too. And I know uh, you've worked with clients. We've worked with clients on long-term care. Um, what do you think people or what do you think the public's perception of long-term care is today? How do you think they look at it or what do they understand about it? Well, I guess just from what I've seen, the perception of long-term care, you hear those words, people think of, you know, a nursing home, some, you know, 90-year-olds with walkers. And uh, what I've seen, that that isn't very much reality. People are needing care. I I mean, let me ask you this. If you guys needed some type of extended care, where would you rather be, in a nursing home or your own home? Oh, yeah, I mean. My home. I think people would your own home. I don't think people want to be in a nursing home. <laughs> no, yeah. I think that's the last place, right? Yeah, and right. that's uh, so. Yeah. I, I guess that's the perception, Mike, is that people think a nursing home and that that's where I go to die. Right. But if you just look around nowadays, at least here in Denver, uh, these assisted living facilities and, and private senior uh, communities are popping up everywhere because people are realizing that maybe it makes sense to combine the place I live and the place I get care. And uh, I, I think you're going to see more and more of that as time right. goes on. And I think the other thing, too, today, and it, you know, who knows what the reason is. I would probably guess it's probably money. But you see in a hospital setting today that hospitals aren't designed to keep people long-term like they did years ago. I mean, it wasn't – I mean, my dad had his first heart attack at 52 years old. He was in Denver General for nine and a half weeks recovering because medical wasn't – you know, medical treatment wasn't that good back then. Back then, yeah. You know, and they had actually lost him on the table. But my point being is hospitals don't keep you long. So they're going to get you what? They're going to get you stabilized. And then if your care is still needed, you need physical therapy or occupational mm-hmm. therapy or speech therapy or ongoing nursing care. They're going to transfer you to a facility yeah. until you can actually transfer either home or get better. One of the two. That's it. And if it's a serious accident, help. There's people that are at Craig Hospital in treatment and therapy for six months, a year, two, three years before they recover if the accident was bad enough. We don't have disability or income protection on auto insurance anymore. Mm, that's, that's not true. there when we moved from, you know, no fault to tort. Yes. So auto accidents, why do you think you see all the commercials on TV for the lawyers Litigation. advertising? If you've been in an accident, I can get you $350,000. I can get you $3 million. Uh, that isn't the case for everybody, right? And it's a long uphill battle, especially if you're dealing with the sickness or accident. So long-term care, for those of you listening today, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to get around on this podcast is more of uh, um, an educational 
standpoint or educational delivery that you really understand, not really understand what the product does, but understand what long-term care is mm-hmm. and the devastating impact it can have on a family. Yes. So typically long-term care, uh, the typical industry standard is care that would last beyond 90 days. So you're in an accident, sickness, whatever, and you're unable to do what the government now has outlined, uh, the activities of daily living, right, Hunter? Yes. And yes. not being able to do those, the activities would be transferring, getting from a bed to a chair, um, getting from a chair to a toilet, uh, eating, bathing, dressing, uh, toileting, mm-hmm. uh, showering, bathing, incontinence, being able to control your bladder bowel functions. So, Usually it's unable to do two of the of those six things, and you need assistance doing those. Sure. It'll last beyond 90 days. That's really the definition of when long-term care kicks in. Well, that 90 days, Mike, that really <laughs> coincides with people's health insurance, right? It's pretty typical that right. that picks up the 90 right. days. Right, because if you – what I think what's mis, what I think the misunderstanding out there today, people that are under 65 who have private health insurance, either Affordable Care Act or whatever, sure. if they actually look at their policy, the back end of their policy – their medical policies only pay for skilled nursing care, which in some cases, some people say is less than 15, 17% of all care delivered. It's mostly custodial intermediate, intermediate care, which sure. your health insurance doesn't pay for. Yes. What health insurance will pay for is physical occupational speech therapy, but only to the point where you got to be getting better, just like Medicare. Sure. So the limit is like 45 to 60 visits a year. That's it. And then they cut you off. And if yeah. you're past that, you're on your own. Why do you think you see people having fundraisers today and hear about fundraisers all over, trying to raise money for the person who was in this auto accident or bike accident or whatever? So There's another way. Yeah. And it's expensive, right? Let's talk about cost. You you know, I know you both know my mom was in a facility, right? When yes. she went into the facility, it was 7100 a month. She was in there for a little over four years. When she passed away last September, the cost was $9,200 a month. A month. To be in a semi-private room with another patient the size of most people's bedrooms with a bathroom they had to share. That's what people are faced with. And I don't think most people realize the cost is that much. $9,000. $9,000 a month. For a pr- semi-private room. For a semi-private. Private, you're looking probably fourteen, fifteen thousand 15000 in Colorado, if not more, for a private room. So the cost is very... It can drain people's assets in a heartbeat. I mean, just done especially you know a middle-aged person 40 who hasn't accumulated everything yet for retirement but has more assets probably than a 25 year old hell they could lose everything their house their 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 investments their retirement their i mean medicare if they medicare doesn't step in and pay for care until you're 65 years old unless you're disabled yeah right then you go on medicare disability medicaid is really for people who are financially insolvent. You have to spend down to less than, in Colorado, less than $2,000 in total assets to be able to qualify for Medicaid benefits. So Medicaid more than likely won't pay. And that's not what people want to do, right? Who the hell wants to lose all of their their assets and spend down to go on Medicaid benefits? So um, the the, the realism of of it is, and this happens, folks, and this year, probably more than ever, right? COVID-19, we've had people in hospitals and on respirators and having all these issues. And some people, it really has lasted a long time, right? Brought it to the forefront. So maybe it's brought it to the forefront for people realizing they don't. And then we talk about, you you mentioned it before, right? Where do people want to be? In a home. Oh, yeah, at home. 
Well, when my, and I'm going to give you an example again, my mom, when we started home care for her, it was pretty much homemaker services. Somebody would come in, be with her, make a meal, do these things. Mm -hmm. But as my mom transitioned, that was about, eh, I think back then it was about $28 to $33 an hour. An hour for those? Maybe twice a day, 60 bucks a day times 30 days. What's that, about $1,800 a month? Not horrible, but still pretty expensive, right? Sure. The minute she went into medical care and needed medical care, she needed somebody to help her shower or bathe or dress or clean her, clean her up after an accident. From homemaker to medical. Went to went to seventy-five dollars an hour twice a day, hundred and fifty dollars a day. Hundred, what's that times thirty days? Roughly about forty-five hundred, five thousand dollars a month to have home care. Big difference. So home care can be as expensive as it is to be in a facility sometimes, depending upon the level of care. I have two clients right now. You know that I've told you this. Sure. Yeah. They just filed for their claims here a couple months ago. They've been clients of ours for 30 years, 20, 29 years probably. Both of them are going in care. Now, they're both in their 70s, but they want to be in a home. But unfortunately, they're just not able like my mom. But when he was home, okay, before he went into a facility, the home care was $73 an hour for three hours a day. Wow. Now we're talking 200 and some dollars a day. We're talking $6,000 a month. Sure. This is what people are faced with. And so if you don't plan, if you don't prepare for this, or you don't talk to somebody, an advisor, a professional who knows this, can help you navigate this area, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a team of people. Would you agree, Matt? I agree, yeah. You've, you've got to look at all angles of it. And I think that's what people are starting to realize is it's there's not... Just one, there's not one silver bullet. There's not one pill that'll fix it. It's working with a team of advisors to figure out what's the game plan. Maybe it includes insurance. Maybe it includes your assets. Maybe it includes working with a long-term care attorney. I think there's a lot of ways to cover it. Exactly. But the idea is you got to have the conversation, right? Exactly. And we've, we've had that, right? We've had clients where we've brought in an elder care attorney mm -hmm. to maybe look at doing elder care planning. Maybe it was a combination of both, like you said. Um, working with an advisor. It's not just all about insurance today. And this podcast isn't about providing you information on all the insurance, but there are different ways. There are different methods today besides buying. And there is, for those of you who don't know listening, there is long-term care insurance out there today, but it's very difficult to get, right? That's what I've seen. One, you got to be healthy. Two, it's expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Three, you pay premiums forever. What if I don't use it? If you don't use it, then... Your, your premiums are gone. Your benefits could transfer sure. on some policies. They offer shared care, but it's a risk, right? So younger people, Hunter's age, your age, Matt, you're probably looking at going, Am I, I'm not going to spend my money on that, pay that for maybe next 30, 40 years and not know if something happens. Yeah. But Hunter said earlier, we you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, right? We never know. You never know what's going to happen. We didn't. Nobody expected COVID-19, right? And now we're living in this crazy world. So well, what what would you say is a good age to start looking at that? Because, yeah, I think 35 is maybe feels too young, but I hear people that call me in their 70s. So what would you say the sweet spot is? Well, you know, with younger people who don't have a lot of assets, I don't know if it's such a, a, a large deal because their ability to get Medicaid benefits is probably going to be easier than, say, a person who's 35, 40, 45, who maybe has sure. a house now and they have equity in their home and they own a couple cars and they have kids and they have savings and they have... Mm -hmm money in their retirement plans, they risk all of them assets sure. to Medicaid spend down if they don't do the right planning. Because who in the heck has $9,000 times, let's say, six months, $54,000, and 
in their checking account or savings account in an emergency fund to pay for that unknown accident or sickness. Not very many. I'd say it's probably... Would you want to? And would you... Yeah. You probably probably took you 10 years to build that up and you're going to use that up in six months. So like I said, I think the whole purpose today in this podcast is not specifically to talk about the product itself, but talk about what happens to people today and what they can do about it. And I think that's really the importance of reaching out to a qualified professional who understands this market, who's been through this, who's been through, you know, I've 34 years, I'm not patting myself on the back that I'm by any means an expert, but at the same time, I've been through a lot of these situations. I, I feel like I know a lot about this, and there's other people, I think you do too, even younger, you've been around this, you've seen our clients go through this. Yeah, I never right. expected to get a call from the son of the two people who I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that they were going to be, that they were horrible, that their, their downhill slide went so fast. And it's just, it's really unfortunate. But thank God they both own two long-term care policies. And they have what we call accelerated benefits available on their life insurance. And that's kind of a a different avenue as long-term care insurance today has become more expensive. Right, Hunter? Yes. You've seen the cost. It's it's not feasibly affordable to buy it. Hard to get. Yes. Insurance companies have kind of woken up over the last five years and they put these accelerated benefit riders on their life insurance contracts right. for both chronic illness and terminal illness. Can you help just briefly tell us a little bit about what that does? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I thought it was very important myself. As I mentioned, when I was 11 years old, I went into the hospital for a, an illness, not COVID. Um, but because that happened in my life, I decided it might make sense to have one of those accelerated benefit writers. Mm-hmm. And they act similar to a long-term care policy. Has this similar definition, like you mentioned earlier. Of claim. Of claim. Oh, okay. right. Now, it doesn't work the exact same way, but you would have those benefits available. Right. So some of the policies out there today uh, allow you to access, if you will, up to 80% of your death benefit if you meet the definition of what they consider chronic care in their policy, right? Exactly. And uh, every policy is different. We want to make sure we make sure everybody knows that not all policies are the same, but that's Mm -hmm. just an example. Um, And that benefit can be used really for whatever they want. As long Mm -hmm. as they meet the claim definition and typically it goes beyond 90 days, Right. they're just accelerating that death benefit prior to death. Now there's a limit uh, put on that acceleration by the IRS, which we won't go into detail today about, but it's a per diem annual limit they can take out. It adjusts each year. Um, we can share information with people on the podcast more about that if you want information. But it's it's nice to have these different flexible options Layers today of protection. for yes. younger people who need life insurance like you. You're not married, but Matt, you're married. Sure, I'm absolutely. Sh- you have life insurance, right? Yes. You have yes. kids, right? You have to. You have a mortgage? Yeah. Do you have yeah. debt? Absolutely. Well, I never thought about that. I can have my life insurance in case I die, but what if I don't? If you don't, then you've got the access to the acceleration of benefits coverage in your policy. Not all policies have this on them, so mind you that you know you got to look at your policy. If you have questions, I would reach out to us, get us a copy of your policy. We'll make sure to read it, find out exactly if you do have chronic illness benefits or terminal illness benefits or a combination of both and what they what they do and how they work. Sure. We'll be more than happy to evaluate that for you. But uh, that is a def- definite different option today. So, And then, you know, there's different levels of care, which probably not 
uh, allowing us time today to go into detail that, you know, you got home health care again, being able to have care in your home. You have the skilled nursing care, which is pretty, that's pretty much bedridden care. I mean, you need skilled round-the-clock care like my mom did at age 92 when she went in. Um, then you have intermediate care, which is uh, more pronounced than skilled care, meaning more people having that type of care. And then custodial care, somebody to come in, help you maybe get up, walk to the bathroom, basically helping you do those activities of daily living where you're not bedridden, but you need somebody to help you walk to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, help you shower, mm. help you eat, help you prepare meals. That's going to be your custodial intermediate care, where skill care is pretty much where you can't get out of the bed, you can't move. You you know, it's, it's an ugly piece of the care, which again is a smaller percentage, but that's what all in... That's all that insurance policies typically pay for. And Medicare only pays for skilled nursing care. They do not pay for intermediate or custodial care either. So those are the different types of levels of care and, and Mike, having what, that. What about some of those other, uh, I've seen some of the other kinds of care on there. and Maybe you're familiar with this, Hunter, but like respite care. And respite care is, I think, a lot of times it falls on the family to help take care of the person. And it gives them a right. break, right? And uh, Yeah, and... You know, you bring up a good point, you know, um, the whole aspect of long-term care, especially for those people that are older. You know, I hear a lot, my family is going to take care of me. My kids are going to take time. care of me, right? Yeah, all the time. But the demographics just don't show that to be achievable today. Uh, kids live in, you know, we aren't, like 30 years ago, families lived pretty much close together. And they're all tight-knit. Now, kids live all over the country. You know, they got uh, graduation to be a uh, an engineer and they got a job in Dallas, Texas or you know, Phoenix, Arizona. So they'd have to pick up and move. For instance, my two clients, their son who's doing this right now lives in Seattle, Washington. He does not live out. here yeah. and he can't move. Wow. His job will not allow him to move. So he has to fly out here at his own expense, spend three weeks out here away from his job. And thank God his job allows him to do so because of the family lead bill, right? Sure. Absolutely. He gets to come out here, take care of his parents and he's got to fly home. And then he's got to sit there and worry about them and what's happening to them and deal with all these different cares. So it's extremely, extremely tough, mm -hmm. extremely overwhelming to be a caregiver for a parent. And because stressful. now you're stressful. Because now you're putting yeah. the emotional side of it in it too, right? You love the person that you're caring yes. for and it's tough to watch them and deal with that. And bringing in somebody from the outside typically can elim eliminate that's stress. So yeah, that respite care, giving, if family is going to do that, mm. giving them the ability Some relief. to have a relief and have somebody come in, but that's still going to cost money. Uh, another reason why long-term care insurance or the accelerated benefit riders come into play for that extended care beyond 90 days, because that's money you can use for them purposes. Plus exactly. you have people who like um, our client, right? Our friend who yes. we talked earlier about, yep. how much home modifications have to be done. Winding of doors to get that crane in the room to lift her out of bed and carry her over to the chair and get her in the chair and get her out and lowering, you know, making ramps to the home and, and putting grab bars everywhere for a person to grab onto. And, and if they're in a wheelchair, having to lower countertops, Never thought none of that's for yeah. free. <laughs> yeah. How about Contractors that? aren't going to come in and do that work for free. They're going to charge you for it. And that money's available to help you do that where people don't have to go out and take out a loan you know, refinance their house, take equity out of their home to pay for that. Because now you got the financial matters on top of the health issues to worry about, right? And that's a double-edged sword. You know, somebody told me a long time ago, there's nothing worse than a lack of money can't make worse, right? Yeah, exactly. So if you toss in the financial headaches with it, and now you got the 
the emotional part of as a caregiver, and then you got the person who's actually being cared for. Yeah, I mean it. I know from firsthand my brother and I dealing with it, and ha- unfortunately, after spending all my mom's money down to get her on Medicaid because her and my dad refused to buy long-term care insurance. They didn't want it. I, I, I got to the point where I got into an argument with my dad at the supper table, and it was it was told at the supper table never to bring that conversation up wow. again. He would never talk about it again. So it's tough. Um, it's definitely a def- difficult issue to talk about, but I think the points to take away today as we close up is that long-term care is serious. It's real. It's real for anybody out there today because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I think people need to search out and they need to find somebody who specializes in this area that can help them identify a game plan to put together, right? A game plan, yeah. Of how, what, what are you going to do if it happens? What are you going to do? Or what is your plan of attack if this happens to you? Yeah, I think that conversation <clears throat> is the key. And, and a lot of times just having a talk with your kids too. I think that you see in families, right. a lot of kids are worried about right. what's going to happen with mom and dad. Right. And opening up that dialogue with your kids. That's a very good point. With your professionals yep. and having some kind of game plan is very good it's point. a smart choice, right? It is. It's very smart to, to, you know, and there's other products out there too that are not as uh, uh, inclusive, I guess, like critical illness coverages that can provide some benefits for some of those illnesses and accidents. But we're going to talk about that on a separate Next podcast. Time, sure. But, you know, I think as we wrap up today, Hunter, thank you for coming yeah. today. I always look Thanks at this and say, you know, you bet. No, yeah. no problem. You know, death is certain. I haven't found anybody that's going to live forever. You haven't? Not yet. I haven't found the uh, magic fountain that had the, the, youth uh, fountain, of the, youth. the fountain of youth. So the, the problem with that is buying or purchasing or providing life insurance is pretty easy for us, right? We can design a game plan. All it's The long-term care is the hard part. That's the hard part. Disability, we don't know. I mean, you could live your whole life and never have a long-term care issue. And so it's just because of that unknown factor, you have to kind of try to prepare the best you can. You're never going to have a perfect game plan, but reaching out and having a good good people around you that know what they're doing in this area that can help you plan and prepare. So we're wrapping up today's podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to the future podcasts we're going to have uh, coming up on life insurance, uh, critical illness, and disability insurance protection. And those will be coming up in the next couple podcasts. Want to reach out to us, connect with us online, goldenwealthsolutions.com. But yes, reach out to us. Let us know how we can help. Let us know what we can do to put a game plan together for you to help protect what you have and provide the level of care you should get if something, God forbid, unfortunate happens to you. Have a great day. We'll look forward to talking to you in our future podcasts. All right. This podcast is for educational purposes only and may include references to concepts that have legal and or tax implications and is not to be construed as legal or tax advice. Such information and or opinions are subject to change without notice and is not intended as an offer or solicitation with respect to the purchase or sell of any security, insurance product, or offer of any individual advice. Any strategy discussed may not be suitable for everyone. Securities America Incorporated does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional regarding your personal situation prior to making any financial decisions. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors Incorporated, Golden Wealth Solutions, and Securities America are separate entities.